Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Detailing Mind. I'm your host, Jason, and uh, tonight we're going to uh, finish off the uh, two-parter from my series, The Detailing Geekdom, where I talk about the expanded universe uh, as a TV series. Uh, From part one, I discussed all the various full seasons and mini-series that they could implement for uh, Star Wars content from the Expanded Universe timeline and how all the different stuff that takes place before the movies could be implemented into a TV series. And I'm going to do the same thing tonight with the content that takes place after the movies and maybe some of them here and there that take place in between some of the movies. And uh, just to kind of round out uh, some of the options that uh, Lucasfilm and Disney could have when it comes to expanding their product uh, via TV series. Um, now, since the last time that I had done an episode on this subject, there had been another announcement, or may have been the first announcement, about a bunch of different TV series that uh, Lucasfilm was going to do for Star Wars. And I think they mentioned um, like some sort of a Rangers, Jedi Rangers type of a show. I I, I think that's what it was referencing. Um, There was one called uh, Bad Batch, which I think is kind of like an Imperial Commando series where it looks at uh, an elite uh, unit of uh, Imperial troops. And kind of goes through some of their experiences, I guess, out there in the galaxy. Uh, another one that they had mentioned is that they're going to do uh, an Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series as well. So it sounds like since my little uh, part one came out, they've made announcements. Given more detail as to some of these different uh, TV series that they're going to come out with. Um, but here's kind of what I was thinking with... Uh, um, what they could do, and, and they could, you know, use the EU timeline for this. Now, the the biggest issue that I found with uh, content that takes place after the movies or some of the content that takes place in between the movies is that um, there's a lot of single books or single issues, whether it's comics or, or, or books or video games that kind of float out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, one of the things that I did like about the uh, content that took place before the movies is generally they, they didn't have a standalone um, novel or comic or video game. Normally it was associated with another timeline that already had content in it so that it could build one story after the next. Um, now, because most of the content that started off the ex- Expanded Universe took place after the movies, you see a lot more uh, works that are done standalone individually, separated from other stories. And so it makes it a little d- more difficult to... Uh, group them together to do a full TV series or even a mini series because you could be spanning a couple years 
uh, in between some of these stories. So it does make it kind of tough, but I think I've organized it um, in a pretty decent way. Just like before in part one, uh, part two, I'm going to try to break it down into eras um, and have two or three, maybe four full-length TV seasons in each era with a handful, roughly the same amount, two, three, four uh, miniseries to go along with it. Ways to kind of fill in the gaps or kind of introduce maybe the next uh, um, full-length season or maybe even kind of bring the whole era to a close. Um, now, one of the problems that I found with this is that a good chunk of the material, almost, I'm going to say over 20 years worth in content time period, um, is actually just one big war. It's the Galactic Civil War. And so most of this falls into that that war now, how can I break this up into segments so that you don't have just one bulking um, era that all these stories fall into? Um, so I did kind of split up the, the Galactic Civil War into two parts. One is Rise of the New Republic, and the other one is The Empire's End. Um, so hopefully that kind of helps break it down. So the, the first section or era that I have is, like I said, the Galactic Civil War, Rise of the New Republic. Um, for the first one that I have, yeah, it's as of right now, it's still untitled. I couldn't come up with anything, but I wanted to have some sort of a, a full-length full uh, TV season that takes place um, between zero and five years after... Um, the Battle of Yavin in episode four. Uh, for those of you who do not know, there's about a four-year gap between episode four and episode six. So when it comes to uh, episode five, it, The Empire Strikes Back, that is actually three years after episode four, A New Hope, or the original Star Wars title movie. And then Return of the Jedi takes place a year after um, The Empire Strikes Back. So it's four years after A New Hope or The Battle of Yavin. So there is quite a bit of time in between some of those uh, events. And so what I was thinking is is it would be kind of nice to, for them if they had a, uh, an expanded universe TV uh, season that takes place um, in between some of the movies, you know, so they could cover stuff like Splinter of the Mind's Eye. They could um, they could do something with uh, I think it's Shadow Empire, um, a whole bunch of other uh, um, basically standalone novels that you see in the expanded universe or uh, comics, you know, and just kind of mesh them in together in some way to have some sort of a a full season that takes place, you know, during the movies and uh, maybe even culminating right around the time that uh, uh, Return of the Jedi happens and the, the destruction of the second Death Star. Uh, so that's kind of my first idea for uh, 
this section of uh, the Expanding Universe titled, you know, The Galactic War, Galactic Civil War, Rise of the New Republic. Uh, something that would take place between zero and five years after the events of A New Hope. Uh, the second full TV season would be um, part of the X-Wing series. Now, the X-Wing series got a lot of um, positive reviews, especially the first half of it, because it was really the first time that Star Wars focused on kind of the, the second, uh, the, the supporting characters, mainly around the character that is Wedge Antilles. Uh, you've come to find out that Wedge Antilles is one of the few people along with Luke Skywalker and, and Han Solo, to survive both attacks on each Death Star. And so Wedge Antilles goes on to become one of the founding members of Rogue Squadron along with Luke Skywalker. And so really, the X-Wing series, the first half of it anyway, focuses on the person that is Wedge Antilles, kind of making a name for himself and going from just a supporting character, a secondary character, to becoming a, really a main character in the expanded universe. And I think it's kind of important to go through uh, the Rogue Squadron series because in it you see the end of the Rebel Alliance and you see the beginning of the New Republic because in the X-Wing series... Rogue Squadron has a very commanding role in the Rebel Alliance's assault on Coruscant and retaking that planet. Um, and this takes place right around five or six years after uh, Episode 4. And so you can kind of see how things get fleshed out. And to be... To be honest, I think the new Mandalorian show in the Disney timeline, I think that takes place right around five or six years um, after A New Hope as well. I can't remember exactly when that takes place. It might take place five years after Return of the Jedi. Um, but in, in all reality, it is pretty close to being right around that time period uh, if you would mesh the two timelines together. Uh, but since we're talking about the EU, Expanded Universe a.k.a. Legends. Right around this time, that's when you see the Rebel Alliance take over Coruscant. I think that would make a really good story to tell, how the Rebels go from just a, a resistance freedom fighter uh, type of, a, of a organization to a full-fledged government. I mean, it, it would be really cool as if they would really hearken it to the American Revolution you know, I think that would be a really good way to make a twist on on Rogue Squadron and, and, and kind of connect it to, you know, real-world events to get people uh, interested in that regard. Um, so that would be the second full, full season in the Rise of the Republic era. Uh, the next two are miniseries, uh, the first one being X-Wing Wraith Squadron. And so what they do is uh, they kind of start a new squadron of X-Wing fighters and all that stuff. Uh, they, I think they use it mainly to kind of uh, take the cover off of Rogue Squadron so that they can operate now that they've made a name for themselves. They 
kind of have like a moniker squadron named just so that Rogue Squadron doesn't uh, isn't so easily identified, you know. Um, and so Rogue Squadron, uh, I, I wanted to make it a uh, a full length season at first, but I think they could probably shorten it down to just a mini series, you know, something like five, six uh, episodes, you know, maybe animated, something to that regards. Um, it's an interesting story. Uh, to be honest, I actually have not read the Wraith Squadron half of the X-Wing series. I've only read the Rogue Squadron half, the first four books. Um, but from what I've heard from everybody else who has read the, the, the books, they like Wraith Squadron just as much as they like Rogue Squadron. So who knows, that could develop into a, a full-length, uh, season, um, if they do it right with uh, Rogue Squadron, but you know, I guess we'll kind of wait and see if if it actually happens. Uh, another mini series would be the Courtship of Princess Leia. This could be a three to five episode mini series, and basically what it does is it kind of focuses on the uh, the story behind Han and Leia getting married. Um, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. You know, it could probably be an easy three episode. Uh, miniseries just to kind of say hey here's what happens you know it's kind of the first year first couple years that the new republic's in existence and so um they can kind of introduce it to that as well and say hey here's kind of the first handful of um conflicts and and issues that arise in this fledging new republic and then the last uh the last portion or the last segment of this uh Rise of the New Republic era that I have is a full full length uh, season, and this is based off of the original Tron uh, Thrawn trilogy. Excuse me. Uh, for the, many of you Star Wars fans out there, you know look, if you've watched the Rebels uh, cartoon and you've watched some of the other uh, uh, new Disney canon stuff, you will hear the name Thrawn thrown around here and there. In fact, in uh, a couple episodes ago in The Mandalorian, when the Mandalorian comes in uh, contact with uh, Ahsoka, Ahsoka, I think that's her name, Ahsoka, um, she is on a quest to find the location of Grand Animal Thrawn. Well, this is the original Grand Animal Thrawn from the original Expanded Universe Legends timeline. And in fact, the Thrawn trilogy, which takes place about five years after Return of the Jedi, or nine years after um, Episode Four: New Hope, this is really the first uh, entry into the Expanded Universe once they restarted the Star Wars franchise. And I think uh, the first book in the trilogy came out in like 1991 or something like that so this Thrawn trilogy is really what got the Star Wars franchise kicking again for those of you who don't know the Star Wars franchise almost became a thing of legend it almost be you know became just a cult following from the late 70s early 80s because after Return of the Jedi they tried two kids shows, uh, Ewoks and Droids, and then they had like a Caravans of Time Ewoks movie. All three of them flopped because Lucas decided to go after, uh, you know, the the kid demographic rather than staying true to his young adult audience. And so 
there's a lot of disinterest in Star Wars come the second half of the 1980s. And it almost put a death nail in the Star Wars franchise. If it wasn't for some authors wanting to continue the story. And so in 1991, one of those authors released the first novel in the Thrawn trilogy. And that's basically what jump-started Star Wars again to where it became popular for another generation of kids. Uh, so I think it'd be a great thing to have the Thrawn trilogy made into a uh, a full TV season. Um, and that kind of rounds out the, the first half of the Galactic Civil War, which I've labeled the moniker Rise of the New Republic. Um, the second half of the Galactic Civil War, which I've labeled Empire's End, starts off with uh, a full season uh, and this is based around the Dark Empire comics. Uh, take It takes place about a year after the Thrawn trilogy, so 10 years after the Battle of Yavin. And without spoiling too much, basically you find out that um, Emperor Palpatine is still alive. He survived the... Uh, um, the explosion, the destruction of the second Death Star in Return of the Jedi. And even though his physical body was destroyed, just like how Jedi like Yoda and Obi-Wan could turn into Force ghosts that you saw in the original trilogy of movies, so could the Sith, like Emperor Palpatine. And so what Emperor Palpatine did was he turned into a ghost when his body was destroyed at the destruction of the second Death Star, and he went and he possessed a clone body of himself. And the whole series is basically about how Emperor Palpatine was able to stay alive by, you know, making sure that his his consciousness went into a clone body to keep his, his livelihood, con- you know, continuing on. And it kind of makes sense, you know, uh, Emperor Palpatine was, he, he orchestrated the Clone Wars. So it would make sense to have a backup plan of a bunch of clone bodies just laying around for you in, in, you know, in stasis so that if something happened to your original body, you just jump into these other bodies and there you go. Um, and to be honest, uh, from my pr- perspective, um, episode nine Rise of Skywalker, a lot of that is taken from the Dark Empire comics. So there's that connection right there. So I'm not going to... Excuse me. uh, Hit a sneeze there. Um, So I'm not going to get too much into uh, the details of Dark Empire. um, But it does deal with Emperor Palpatine returning. And how does Luke Skywalker, how does Princess Leia, how does the New Republic face this new threat of a resurgent emperor? Right after that, another uh, miniseries based off of a comic uh, series is Crimson Empire. And this basically deals with what happens after Dark Empire completes. And it focuses around some of the royal guardsmen those guys dressed in big red robes 
that you see in Return of the Jedi that are guarding the uh, turbo lift uh, elevator that goes up to the Emperor's throne room. Um, it kind of expands a little bit more on those Crimson Guard and Crimson Empire, and you find out that some of them are actually Force-sensitive and, and trained on a very basic level to help protect the Emperor from any assassination attempts and what have you. Well, some of these guardsmen decide to try to take over the Empire for themselves because, hey, they're sort of kind of Jedi. I mean, they got some basic training, so why not? And so they tried... So it becomes basically a, a internal conflict between the Crimson Guard to see who will become the new Emperor and uh, carry on the Sith legacy. So I think it would be kind of a cool little uh, mini-series that can work as kind of a bridge to get to the next full uh, series, the full TV series, and that is the Jedi Academy trilogy, along with the uh, standalone book, I, Jedi, which happens 11 years after the Battle of Yavin, uh, episode four. Um, and really what the Jedi Academy trilogy is all about is just that. It's Luke Skywalker developing a new Jedi Academy. And some of the um, first conflicts that he and his Jedi, or his Jedi Order and Jedi Academy have to uh, overcome in their infancy stages as a new, uh, new entity. And the same thing with the uh, New Republic, too. You now have to... Uh, the, the New Republic now has to face a new enemy and a new set of challenges. And I thought it would be kind of cool if they would... Also incorporate the uh, standalone novel I Jedi in there because it does focus on one particular uh, Jedi who does have a very big role in the future um, events of the expanded universe. And so they can kind of incorporate that into uh, the full-length uh, TV season along with uh, Jedi Academy just to kind of mix it up a little bit. So I think that would be kind of cool. Um after that, um, there's a bunch of standalone novels that make it kind of tough to uh, really have a full-length season on them. So I figured I would uh, condense them into basically what I call the unofficial Callista duology. And what it could focus on in this miniseries is uh, one of Luke Skywalker's first romantic uh, entanglements and what happens with that. And so this quote-unquote uh, Callista duology would focus on a couple books that discuss uh, this romance that Luke has with this woman named Callista and how it ends up uh, um, basically just, basically how it ends. So um, not much more to be said there. Uh, the next one, I... Even though it's a full full novel trilogy, I did shorten it down to a mini series because, in all honesty, the uh, this this trilogy of novels is not that particularly um, important in the overall um, timeline that is Legends. But this is the Black Fleet Crisis trilogy, um, and basically, what's the, the two main story plots that you see in this is, first of all, Luke Skywalker is looking around to try to find his mother. 
Now, from us as the audience looking into the Star Wars universe, we already know that Luke's mother's dead, that she had died, you know, at this point, at least two decades ago, three decades ago, something like that. But from Luke's perspective, he did he doesn't know. He still thinks that his mother is out there. And then he starts getting reports from certain people that, hey, yeah, we found your mother. And he goes on a wild goose chase trying to hunt her down. And so that's the one part of the story of the Black Fleet crisis. The other part of the story is the New, Repu- New Republic gets into a war with uh, some alien species that's basically trying to make a power grab in the vacuum that was left in the Empire's uh, basically, I can't say collapse, but in in their retraction from being a a major galactic uh, um, threat. So even though the war between the New Republic and the Empire is still going on, some of the various uh, planetary systems that are throughout the galaxy, there's a void because the Empire has pulled out because they can no longer afford to um, patrol and occupy that system. But at the same token, the New Republic can't either. And so there's a basically a power void in a lot of places. And in one of these places, this this alien race rises up and basically tries to go on a killing spree to purge as much as they can of life that they deem to be uh, unacceptable. And so um, this inevitably brings them into conflict with the New Republic um, as their genocide of nearby species Um attracts the republic's uh, eye to their uh, to their deeds. So um like I said it it's not very important to the overall timeline it's kind of a, a side story if you will. So it's something they could add in there as a mini series otherwise it doesn't really need to be discussed. Um and then the last two series that I have in mind for the uh Galactic Civil War Part Two: Empire's End is the Karelian Trilogy and the Thrawn Duology. Uh, both of these, like I said, full TV series because there's quite a bit of important stuff to be going on. Uh, the Karelian Trilogy is basically it's kind of a Han Solo's coming home type of story. He finally gets to go back to Karelia where he's from. The problem is, is I think it's his uncle who has become the leader of Corellia and the Corellian system. And uh, let's just say that the uh, um, the family rivalry is still very heated from the last time that uh, Han was at home and dealing with family members. And so a pretty big uh, conflict breaks out between Corellia and the New Republic. So I'll kind of leave it at that. Don't give away too terribly much in the Corellian trilogy as to as to what new things are being um, introduced. And uh, the Corellian trilogy takes place about 18 years 
after the Battle of Yavin, the original Star Wars movie, where the first first Death Star is destroyed. So you can see we're, we're approaching the time period where we get two decades away from the movies, or at least the very first movie. Um, and that leads me to the very last um, season in this Empire's End uh, series, if you will. And this TV series uh, season could be uh, the Thrawn duology. It's it's the basically the uh, two book um, sequel to the original Thrawn trilogy, and really what it does is it sets the scene for the next round of conflicts that will emerge um, following this story. Um, and the only things I'm going to say about this duology is, first of all, it um, it deals with the uh, the threat or the actuality of the return of Thrawn. Um, it's kind of left up in the air. There's a lot of uh, um, rumor and um, kind of naysaying going on as to whether he's going to return um and that creates a whole new round of conflict in and of itself because as you find out from the Thrawn trilogy set 10 years prior um Thrawn basically leaves a lasting impact on the galaxy and so 10 years later when the Thrawn duology comes out um this is set 19 years after the uh, Battle of Yavin, uh, Episode 4. And even 10 years after the first round of issues with Thrawn, just the mere concept or possibility that Thrawn could make a return to the galaxy, um, let's just say that that is enough to throw the galaxy into a panic and into chaos. And the Empire uses that to basically start anew its uh, its war with the uh, New Republic. Uh, the only other thing I'm going to mention about the Thrawn duology is the reason why I call this section the Empire's End is because at the end of this uh, two-book novel uh, series... Um, the Empire does officially surrender to the New Republic. Uh, it doesn't dissolve. It just, you know, the war ends finally after about tw 20 years or so of uh, civil war, whether it's the Empire versus the Rebel Alliance or the Empire versus the New Republic, you basically see about 20 years worth of fighting in this galactic civil war. And um, that's kind of what the uh, series could focus on is these last few rounds of battle between the New Republic and the Empire before the Empire surrenders. <coughs> Excuse me. And that gets me into the third era of the uh, post movie uh, content and that is the new Jedi Order uh, basically era um, now it, I did move some stuff that wasn't that's not considered to be new Jedi Order content 
mainly that's the Young Jedi Knights series, because I figured the Young Jedi Knights series, it's a book of, basically it's a series of uh, uh, kind of like goosebumps, if you will. They're, they're, they're shorter novels for, you know, mainly for kids who might be t- uh, 10, 11, 12, you know, young scholastic type of books um, for kids to get them into Star Wars and into the novels. And so they came out with a, a, a Young Jedi Knight series that focuses on uh, the children of Han and Leia and some of their friends as they go through Jedi training. Now, I figured this could be, you know, depending on what they wanted to cover, because there are two subsects to this series. Um, the Part one and part two, where they focus on, you know, different storylines. They could probably just focus on the first half and be fine. But I think they could make this into a an animated uh, TV series. I think that'd be something fun. And they probably could even gear it just like the the young young novels, young adult novels were uh, geared towards kids. You know, much like the Goosebump books, they could also um, kind of focus this. Young Jedi Knight series, miniseries towards um, kids as well. Kind of like what they did with Rebels and some of these other TV shows that they're coming out with, these cartoons that they're coming out with, whether it's uh, Clone Wars or or uh, Rebels, and have them uh, have it focus on, on those stories. Um, but the new Jedi Order um, era... Um, doesn't start until the actual new Jedi Order series. And that starts 25 years after the Battle of Yevon, or Episode 4, which is about six years after the Empire um, basically um, uh, surrenders to the New Republic. And what the new Jedi Order series is about is an extragalactic species invading the Star Wars universe uh, galaxy. So, a galaxy or a, an alien species from another galaxy basically invades the prime, the primary uh, Star Wars galaxy, and proceeds to start a four or five year war. Um, against uh, the New Republic and all of its occupants in this galaxy. Um, and, and really, in all honesty, this, is, this could be a two or three season endeavor. Uh, think of this, this New Jedi Order series and this war that in, uh, encompasses as being like the World War II of the uh, uh, the Star Wars universe. Uh, it's pretty blue, brutal. From what I understand is at the end of the uh, this war with this alien species known as the Vong, uh, once the war is over with, about one-third of the galaxy galaxy's population is, is dead. And probably a quarter of the planets, maybe a third of the planets um, that were were habitable beforehand 
became uninhabitable because of the devastation of the war. So it was, like I said, it it was like the World War II of the Star Wars universe, of the galaxy. Big war, lots of death, um, and just kind of a quick uh, teaser, the very first death that you see is actually Chewbacca in the very first book. And uh, even though I haven't read the full series yet, from what I understand is every single... Every single book except for one, somebody big or some big name dies. So it's, it's, um, I mean, you can kind of see it as some of these, some of these, these darker uh, sci fi fantasy TV series out there. They can make that into, uh, the Star Wars version of this. You know, they, they could really do the new Jedi Order series right. If they actually wanted to do it, because it could be dark, it could be brutal, just like Game of Thrones or any of these other dark, brutal uh, sci-fi or fantasy uh, series that you're seeing on TV now, they can easily do that for the uh, New Jedi Order series uh, and the war between basically the galaxy and the Vong. Um, it is that that rough of a of a series. Like I said, two or three full seasons easily because they have about 20, at least 20 books, twenty no- at least 20 novels that are in the whole New Jedi Order series that covers this war, which is, I want to say, about half of the total books if you count in the, the, the novels that take place before this that I just previously discussed um, from earlier sections, so it's a very huge portion of the uh, expanded universe timeline following the uh, the movies, and then just to kind of close out the New Jedi Order era, if you will, um, the Darkness trilogy miniseries. Once again, it's one of those things that's not necessarily needed to uh, um, be included. In the overall timeline, it's kind of a minor event, but it's a good filler because the uh, Darkness trilogy starts up about ten years after the uh, the Vong War started. So the Darkness trilogy would take place about thirty five years after the uh, um, Episode Four and the Battle of Yavin, and it's only going to take about a year, year and a half before this minor conflict is basically laid to rest um so that kind of rounds out the uh the new jedi order um uh era if you will for these tv show options as i mentioned you know it seems kind of small because there's only a handful of things but Keep in mind the new Jedi Order uh, Vong War that I had mentioned. That could be two or three full TV seasons. You know, you got the Darkness trilogy. That could be a mini series. The Young Jedi Knights. That could be at least you know easily one, maybe two mini series. You know, there's just a lot of content in here, even though it doesn't sound like a lot, just because there's just so much happening. Um, primarily in this. Uh, series of 20-some books that you see uh, about the Vong War. So that's the New Jedi Order uh, era, uh, or section, if you will. And then the last one that I have is 
I call legacy. Um, these are the, the stories that take place uh, 40 years after the uh, original movie, uh, episode four, and then on after that. Uh, and really what they are is, is kind of like handing off the reins, if you will, from one generation to the next. And so this is where you really start to see uh, the Star Wars expanded universe shift towards the next generation of uh, characters taking on the main roles. So you start to see Luke and Han and, and Leia no longer be the front and center of the series, like the main characters, but now you start to see their children start taking the place, their place as the next generation of uh, Star Wars characters to be really invested in. Um, the first full season that they could do is what is titled The Legacy of the Force novel series. Uh, this takes place, like I mentioned, uh, 40 to 42 years 40, 41 years roughly, um, 40 to 41 years after the Battle of Yavin, the original Star Wars movie. Um, and to be honest, it kind of is a cyclical series hearkening you back to the prequel trilogy because, and here's the, uh, the spoiler alert for the Legacy of the Force series, uh, Jason Solo which is the um, oldest son of Han and Leia, turns to the dark side and becomes a Sith Lord, just like his, uh, um, his grandfather, uh, Anakin Skywalker. So in a way, that's kind of what legacy, the Legacy of the Force, a novel series is about, is uh, Jason Solo falling to the dark side, becoming a Sith Lord, and basically you see a repeat of history where things kind of go back to what happened in the uh, prequel trilogy that is, you know, Attack of the Clones and uh, um, Revenge of the Sith. You kind of see, you know, it kind of harkens back to that whole mindset only a generation later or two generations later. And so, you know, there, there's kind of that connect there. Um, nine book series, it's, it's actually one of my favorite series, to be honest. Uh I finished up a handful of years ago, and uh, it was about five years, six years ago. It's still one of my favorite uh, series out there. Um, I highly recommend reading the novels, uh, and I really wish that they would make this into uh, a a full-length TV series. Uh, It's what uh, the sequel trilogy of... That, that Disney has just recently put out for Star Wars movies. That Legacy of the Force is what the sequel trilogy should have been if they'd done it right. Um, so that's kind of my my take on, on Legacy of the Force. Next one is a miniseries. It's not really um, too uh, important to include into the timeline so if they skip over it it's fine it's basically just a a duology of books called cross current and riptide and it deals a little bit with time travel and stuff like that and and uh um like i said it's not that important 
for the main storyline, but it would be a fun little miniseries just to add in there, you know, animated, if you will. That way it gives the writer some time to get get their ducks in a row for the next full-length TV series, which is uh, Fate of the Jedi. And um, I'm about halfway through this series right now. I've been on it for five years. Not because I'm a slow reader, but because I... You know, I'll start reading it, I'll, you know, read through and finish a book, and then it might be, you know, half a year to a year later before I can get to the next book in line. So I'm kind of, you know, slowly uh, uh, getting around to uh, reading these books. When I do, I I can hardly put them down. Uh, But Fate of the Jedi takes place about a year or so after the events of Legacy of the Force end. And it's basically just, a lot of it's just a blowback of what happens with uh, Jason Solo and his descent to uh, becoming a a Dark Lord of the Sith. Uh, What happens to the the, uh, Galactic Alliance or the New Republic, if you will. What happens to the Jedi Order. Uh, And basically a whole new round of issues that pop up. Uh, One of them being the Lost Tribe of the Sith. So if you remember from part one, when I had mentioned that uh, there was an anthology of short stories that centered around the Lost Tribe of the Sith, um, this is where that story arc comes back to the main fold. Uh, And and that whole branch of the Sith get reintroduced to the, uh, the greater galaxy at least 5,000 years later. And so they have a, a slight shock of, well, shit, the uh, galaxy has changed a lot since we've been kind of closed off. You find out why the uh, Sith were stuck on their planet, um, but you also see how they are able to get the technology needed to escape the planet and then once again um, throw their lot in with the rest of the galaxy uh, changers that pop up every now and then. So it's it's a pretty fun series so far. Like I said, I'm halfway through the Fate of the Jedi series, and uh, um, so far it's a, it's a fun series of novels to read. So I also recommend them, even though I'm halfway done. Um, as I mentioned, that takes place 43, 44 years or so after uh, the original movie, uh, Episode Four. Now, the big leap here is the second half where there could be two seasons based around the legacy comic books. Now, why is that? Is because um, the legacy comics take place 127 to 138 years after episode four. So now, at this point, you find out that the main characters that we've all come to love from Star Wars, you know, like Luke Skywalker, Leia Solo, Han Solo, they're all dead. Now it's their grandchildren or great-grandchildren that you're learning about. Um, and you also find out that things didn't end too well for the Republic or the Galactic Alliance, whatever you want to call them, as well as the Jedi. You almost see a complete cycle come through and you find yourself back to where you started um, at the beginning of the original trilogy in Star Wars A New Hope. Why is that? Because the Sith 
and the Empire are back in control of the galaxy. So, season one that covers the legacy comics could be about the Sith Imperial War, where you learn that the Empire and the Sith Empire, now divorced from each other, work together in kind of a tedious alliance, and they attack and defeat the New Republic and the Jedi. Once again, thrusting the Jedi and the Republic into disorder. Now, instead of the Empire replacing the Republic, like in like you see in the uh, prequel trilogies, the Republic just kind of gets kicked to uh, the, one to their little small corner of the galaxy, and it's still a governmental uh, uh, entity. It's just now they've been replaced by the Empire and the Sith Empire as the two ruling as the predominant uh, ruling uh, factions in the galaxy, and so. That's what happens in the first one, like I said, the Sith Imperial War. But then there's another war that happens after that. And it's actually a three-way war between the Sith Empire, the Empire, or they call it the Fell Empire, based off of the uh, family name of the uh, emperors who rule the uh, Empire, and the um, Republic. And what's kind of cool about this is not only is it a three-way war which you don't really see too terribly much in Star Wars. Normally it's the, the uh, traditional Empire versus Republic or Sith versus Jedi. Now it's Sith Empire versus Fell Empire versus Republic. And you have the Jedi versus the Sith versus the Imperial Knights. And so what I thought was really cool about this legacy comic arc is that they introduce a third force faction and come to find out if i remember correctly is at some point between fate of the jedi once again that takes place between right around 45 years after episode four sometime between that and when the sith imperial war starts right around 127 years after the battle of yavin or episode four um you find out that (coughs) excuse me I think it's Jaina Solo, the daughter of Han and Leia, gets married to the, uh, basically the family who will take over the Empire, the Fell family, F-E-L, Fell. And uh, she gets married to him, and there is really no official content there was supposed to be a, a trilogy called Sword of the Jedi that would be focusing on Jaina and uh, basically her marriage and then her creation of the Imperial Knights. But it's basically implied that something goes on and Jaina Solo kind of you know leaves her family, leaves the Jedi, leaves the Republic, goes with her husband, uh, Mr. Fell. He becomes the Emperor of the Empire renaming uh, the the Fell Empire, and they start their own force organization known as the Imperial Knights. And that kind of brings you up to the legacy comics and the two st- story arcs that you can find because now it's a three-way war, not only amongst governmental Organizations, you know, like I said, the Sith Empire, the Fell Empire, and the 
uh, Galactic Alliance or New Republic, if you will, but also between the Jedi, the Sith, and the Imperial Knights. And so that really makes it interesting because now you hit kind of sometimes have a tag team where one will team up with the other to beat on the third one. And then, you know, next time around, one of them will be backstab and then the other team will go and join the other side and then beat up on the, the, the sole one from there. So it, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, it's, you know, in a way kind of like a, a Game of Thrones of sorts. Um, so that's kind of cool. And then... So I, I think that they could easily do two uh, two seasons based off the legacy comics. One to to focus on the uh, Sith Imperial War, and then one more series to uh, um, highlight what happens in the war afterwards. Because, like I said, the three three way war that happens afterwards is pretty intense from the comics I've read. <coughs> Excuse me. And then lastly, the last. Uh, series in this legacy um era is uh, once again it's part of the legacy comics but they they call it volume 2 and this takes place 130 basically 140 years after episode 4 the original movie and this focuses on what happens in the aftermath of the main story arc of the legacy comics and so i thought it could be it would be a really nice way to kind of bring the legacy uh era to a close with a mini series and it does focus on um i think it's like one of the last uh um surviving members of the skywalkers or solos so so basically come this time period there's only one person left in both of those families and it kind of focuses on her you know little journey as she uh matures into a young jedi knight so I think that'd be kind of cool to, uh, you know, to have that as kind of be like the closing miniseries for the Legacy uh, uh, era. Um, after that, the only other thing that I have to add to this is uh, there is one grouping that I couldn't really figure out how to add them in there. Um, and this is based around a series of video games that really got Star Wars popular right around the same time that uh, the Thrawn trilogy was coming up. And uh, these are the Dark Forces Jedi and the Jedi Knight games, all generally focused around one character. Uh, for those of you who remember the Dark Forces games, they're the first-person shooters. Um, for all you who played the the original Doom, that first person shooter game, basically Dark Forces was based on that kind of gameplay, only set in Star Wars. So, and I'm trying to figure out how to set this up because, you know, the original Dark Forces game took place, like I said, around one, right around the time of the original movie, uh, and the Battle of Yavin. In fact. Uh, the uh, intro level to Dark Forces is where you go and you steal the Death Star plans and give them the re- to the Rebel Alliance so that Luke Skywalker and all of them can go and do the Battle of Yavin like you see in the original movie. That's kind of the opening for Dark Forces. So that takes place right around that time. Unfortunately, the second game for Dark Forces 2 doesn't take place until five years after the Battle of Yavin. Um, and then the next game after that is... Uh, Jedi Knight 
Jedi Outcast that takes place 12 years after the Battle of Yavin. And then the fourth game in there is Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, and that takes place 14 years after the Battle of Yavin. So you can see how it'd be kind of tough to uh, really codify the Dark Forces Jedi Knight uh, video game series into one overall uh, full-length season, even though it really does deserve its own full-length season. Because um, the main character in there, Kyle Katarn, becomes a very prominent character in Star Wars. And I think it'd be really cool to see a Kyle Katarn um, TV series. But given that each one almost has about a five-year gap between each between the next video game, it makes it really tough to come up with a full-length uh, series based off of the game. You know, some might have to be uh, mini-series here and there. Um, I haven't really figured that part out yet. I, I just know that I'd like to see a Kyle Katarn uh, TV series, preferably live-action. They can make it a lot like The Mandalorian, too. You know, the Kyle. to be honest, the Kyle Katarn series could be the uh the expanded universe legends uh version of the mandalorian series if they did it right so that's kind of my idea uh as of right now for content that lucasfilm and disney could use for a legends uh tv series as i mentioned they can in in part one they could set it up so that it's kind of like uh um that we're, we're, we're each season basically is its own story or a couple of seasons kind of like what they do with uh, the TARDIS show uh Doctor Who um you know where each season or couple seasons you know complete cast or nearly complete cast reformatting you know they 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 can do the same thing with Star Wars. You know they can they can have a whole slew of stories as I as I've just laid out in part one and now here in part two, that covers the content before and after the movies, and as as you've seen, there are tons of uh, time blocks that are completely open, especially in the content that takes place before the movies, to where you can add in new stories, even in addition to the ones I already told you that exist in novel or comic or video game format. So um, I think that Disney and Lucasfilm really should consider having two timelines worth of content being advertised, if you will, being being uh, sold to the fan base. They can have their origin, their their uh, their new uh, Disney timeline that corresponds with all the movies and all the new uh, TV shows that they have coming out now. But I do think they should reignite and restart the expanded universe or Legends timeline and turn a lot of the content into uh, TV series because, as you've seen over Part One and Part Two. They have a lot of stuff they can cover. I mean, they they probably have at least 20 or 30 full seasons they could use just in the Expanded Universe content alone. 
And if that's if that's one season per year, I mean that's that's basically they they have thirty years worth of content that they could be pushing out to people. The the, the hardcore fans who know it, they'll watch it because it's it's what it is. And people who are new to the uh, franchise, they'll watch it and it'll be new to them. So that's what I think they should do. Uh, let me know what you think. Until then, hope you have a good rest of your weekend. See you later.